Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Hey everyone, today's episode is a review of the Michael Jordan episode 3 and 4 Last Dance documentary that's been airing on ESPN. It's been absolutely fantastic. And for this episode, I got a first-time guest on the podcast, Manuel Brown. Now, Manny Brown is my guy. He's a part of the Dead End podcast family. He has his podcast, Any Given Sunday, which I have been on and had amazing fun hip-hop and basketball conversations so i'm very happy to bring him to the basketball side of the podcast and i'm just excited to give you guys basketball content i know i haven't given you much basketball content um that's obviously in part because the season has been suspended or postponed as of right now and we await for that um but for now i just wanted to give you some type of basketball content because man i have missed talking about basketball I have missed the game. I have missed just everything about basketball. So I'm really, really happy to have some basketball conversation back in my life. I hope you guys are as well. Some quick housekeeping before this episode starts. So this is being uploaded on essentially Thursday morning, uh, late Wednesday night if you're on the West Coast here. And um, Friday, I will be recording and dropping a big time hip-hop podcast i'm very very excited can't wait to get that for you uh to put this in in context man this is a this is a interview with a guest that i have a whole entire list of people i want to interview before i pass and this man right here is number two on my list that's how important this is that's how monumental this is in the in my podcast so very very excited to get that to you Um, I'll leave that a surprise when it's coming, but those of you that follow me probably have a good idea, a good good guess as to who this guest is, but I'm very, very excited to have him on the podcast, and I cannot wait to give that episode to you, Um, so stay on the lookout for that. Uh, Please follow me on Instagram and Twitter at RealChrisPlatty. That's the best way to keep up with the updates of this podcast, and also... um, Working on YouTube, working on YouTube very heavily, but the problem has been um, my camera is dead, and so I've been shooting from my phone, but I've been having problems transferring my iPhone files to my computer, so I'm starting to you know, figure out uh, what kind of other avenues I can explore to get content onto YouTube, because I do want to continue the YouTube space. I know I haven't been consistent or hyperly active on YouTube, but I do... Uh, I've been visioning and and planning and storyboarding just kind of how the YouTube channel differentiates from the podcast itself. So um, I think I finally figured that out, and now it's about executing it. And unfortunately, during these during these times at this particular moment, I can't really seem to find a way to get videos recorded and uploaded to YouTube. So. I'm working on that, so stay tuned for that. Again, I'll be updated through Twitter, through Instagram, um, through Snapchat even. So be on the lookout for all all three of those platforms. That's the best way to find the news there. 
And um, lastly, a bracket. I got one more bracket coming. I just spoke to my graphic designer the other day. He's working on the final graphic, and it's going to be very fun. Can't wait to get that to you as well, so be on the lookout for that. But without further ado, man, let's get to some basketball talk. It's been far too long, and uh, I'm working on other ways to get you some more basketball content. So without further ado, enjoy this episode with my man, Manny Brown of Any Given Sunday Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Strictly Hoop Talk. I know you haven't heard that in a while. My name is Chris Platty. The NBA season has been has been postponed. It's been on hiatus. So this side of the podcast hasn't been as popping as the hip side, hip hop side of the podcast. But coming to the show, I'm very excited. First time guest. Uh, I was a guest on his platform a couple months ago, and this is a guy who's been a long time who's been a long time associate of mine through through the Twitter sphere. And now I'm very excited to have him on the podcast. That is Manuel Brown, podcaster and uh, host of the Any Given Sunday podcast and blogger for Breaks Media. How are you doing? I'm doing good, man. Thanks for having me on. It's a, it's a pleasure. Finally, we get to do this, man. We've been, I know. We've been, we've been kind of talking about it here and there for, what, six months or so? And yeah, you know, easy. Life gets in the way and that sort of thing. So glad that we... Uh, Glad that it took you know. Glad that it took COVID for us to get together. <laughs> yeah, man. Glad that it took a national, <laughs> a, a national or global epidemic just to get us together. But no, seriously, we're not glad of the glo- <laughs> We're not glad that it's a global pandemic. We're just yeah. glad that we're finally able to connect. To be, to exactly. be clear, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's be clear. Um, but no, I had a lot of fun on your podcast, man. We had a we had some yeah, great awesome. t- some great talks, and uh, this has been a collaboration long in the works. So I'm glad to have have you on the podcast and I strongly encourage my listeners to check out your podcast because you're also doing uh, episode recaps of this Jordan documentary series, The Last Dance, which is what we'll be getting into episodes three and four. I have not listened to yours. I know I told you that off air, but mm-hmm. um, I don't like to listen to other, I don't like to listen to who I'm going to discuss with. I don't like to kind of know their their mm-hmm. um their their opinions it's almost like i treat it like an album review you know i don't want to right, know I, absolutely I get yeah it. so without further ado man we're gonna see how we're gonna see how this goes we're gonna see how it, it flows here and so the two episodes in in this episode three and four were very much focused on two central characters that's dennis rodman and phil jackson episode three was the dennis rodman centric episode episode four mm-hmm. was the phil jackson episode so we'll start with the Dennis Rodman episode and how that tied into the Phil Phil episode. So um, I personally did not know, and I feel like a lot of people didn't know, about the epic 
Ro- Dennis Rodman vacation Vegas bender. <laughs> Um, just because simply, again, I'm somebody who's watching this. I'm 24 years old, so I'm not around during the Jordan era. I'm just barely in 1998. I mean, I'm three years old, so I'm just, you Oh, jeez, You're making me feel old, man. Jeez. <laughs> yeah, man. So like, so like, obviously I know, I know the big points. I know some of the, through just being a student of the NBA, I know some of the stories, but this Rodman vacation drug bender in Vegas just absolutely threw me for a loop. Um, how did... How did you like the Rodman episode as a whole? And did you actually know of that story coming into this episode? So it's interesting. So I, I, I did know of uh, the, 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 the vacation. Let's just put it that yeah. way. Uh, the, <laughs> the Vegas vacation uh, in the middle of the season. Um, I did know about it. So it's so a little bit of background on me. I'm 33 years old. So, um, you know, in 1998, I'm 12 years old. So, you know, you're, when you're a kid, you're, it's like you're aware. It's like, you know, I, I really feel like 10 to 12, that age range is when you really start becoming a sports fan. When you start mm-hmm. taking it seriously, you find your team, you know, you find the angle that you want to root for and your players, et cetera. And then you be, you know, you, you it's it's that age range where you kind of harbor your, yeah. your, your visions as a sports fan, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I growing up, I'm a Laker fan, obviously, for a little, a little disclosure there, full disclosure there. I, I'm a Laker fan. So, but of course, any kid who grew up in the 90s was a Michael Jordan fan. I mean, you just, I mean, Michael Jordan was everything. I mean, yeah. he was just literally a walking superhero, essentially. Um, so, so just to kind of circle it back. So, yeah, I, I'm aware and I, I, I knew, I, like, I remember Sports Center talking about it and things of that nature. But, you know, when you're a kid, you're not really watching it mm-hmm. or, or following it like with, with with that adult sports fan lens yeah so as a kid you know so like I, I remember stories about it but i didn't really follow it like i would have now of course mm-hmm. so i so to answer your question i do remember it but not not as much so it was, it was actually good to kind of get some insight into what went down and kind of the particulars and and you know hearing the different comments from the different folks and the different anecdotes involved and and kind of the whole situation um and then as far as the episode in general um i enjoyed it um so i i said on my podcast and 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 just kind of briefly um so i thought obviously the first two episodes um last week were home runs i thought they hit it out of the park they were 10 out of 10 Mm -hmm. for me um, I thought they were just phenomenal. Um, this week's episodes, I wasn't as in love with. I, I didn't think they were bad episodes. I thought they were a good continuation and a good follow-up. But compared to the peak of last week, I felt like these were these were good. Like, I gave them 7 out of 10 for both okay. of them. Like, I thought they were really good episodes. But I, I kind of felt like after the peak of last week, it didn't, It, it you know... And I'm sure we'll get into more of the the critique, if, if any, that I have. Mm-hmm. Um, but overall, I thought that I thought that the Rodman segment was was insightful. Um, I I didn't really learn anything new specifically about mm-hmm. him that I didn't know, and and I think a lot of that is because he did he does have a thirty for thirty out that yeah. covers a lot of his life and his career and his struggles. So if you've watched that, um, this will not seem redundant, but kind of. This will mm-hmm. this first part of that of the first episode, the Dennis Rodman episode, will kind of seem like a maybe like a a, a a prologue of that or a summary of that. So, um, so I didn't really learn anything new. I actually found the Phil Jackson episode a little bit more interesting mm-hmm. um, than the Dennis Rodman, just because I I all the things that we learned from Dennis I already knew. Yeah, and you know, honestly, I feel a little bit the same. So I didn't know about the whole vacation thing. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I didn't know about that. 
And I'm just thinking in my head, you know, as I'm watching, you know, God, how would this play out in the Twitter, in the Twitter? Yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know, the, the thing about the thing about this episode was you're right. You kind of hit the nail on the head here and that um, I felt like I knew most of Dennis's upbringing. And I thought that mm-hmm. they they did an OK job with that because the 30 for 30 bad boys doc, which I of course, as a Pistons fan, watched that several times. I almost know it word for word, embarrassingly. But, you know, I I got a glimpse of Dennis Rodman, of his upbringing, of all of that. Mm-hmm. And I swear it was almost the same shots that were used in that doc. It was... And it, they probably were. And they it, probably were. Yeah. And um, like I remember the photo with him and his mom. Um, I mm-hmm. remember some of the, the some of the even like the clips of him playing early basketball were the exact same ones in the thirty for thirty for the bad boys. But so so that I can kind of see why you would you would scale this episode a little bit lower just because again it wasn't as it wasn't as new and as fresh as the first two episodes. Um, but I do think that I, I did like that they that they did a very quick job of of telling who Dennis Rodman was at least like the childhood like like mm-hmm. I felt like I felt like it was just boom it was just here's the here's this like short little stint like one two minutes tops this is his background and then and then you know and then it got into the whole stuff about you know the Pistons and how uh and how you know he got traded because of the whole issue with the you know when he pulled up to the palace with the gun overnight Mm -hmm. and all of that which was also in the 30 for 30 for the bad boys so again so a lot of the stuff i knew but i thought i thought that the reason the episode was good was that number one it set up the second episode it 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 set up um it, it set up the second episode with with phil and about just it established these these episodes were the bad boy episodes you know this was that that was kind of the the center focus and um obviously as a piston fan i loved that you know never can get enough of that but also the fact that i think i think that what they did with it with uh kind of telling this telling the story in such a in, in such a strong in such a strong cohesive way like the way they set up the rodman was was with Scottie Pippen out with the injury and then how Dennis Rodman yeah. ele- elevated his game. So I like that I really really love the way these episodes are being are being chronologically done. They don't look like they're chronologically done cuz they're jumping all over the timeline, but if you look right. at it, it's always through the context of the 1998 season. So it starts with it starts with the summer of the 98 season when Phil Jackson's announced or where it's announced that Phil Jackson's not going to be the coach next year. And then, then it starts, then the Scotty episode uh, dives into Scotty because why Scotty's not starting the season with the team. Then the third episode is Rodman stepping up to the plate while Scotty's gone and then Scotty coming back and how Rodman deals with that. And so again, it flashes back to the Rodman days, which takes you to the bad boy days who are the, the team that Jordan had to go over to the hump. So I really liked that. And I really liked how they finally, finally, finally got in depth with the Jordan rules, man. This is something that (laughs) is like basketball sacred talk. And so I was really glad about that. Um, So I wanted to just kind of ask you, I guess, uh, where was growing up in in your time, obviously a Laker fan, I, I can imagine where you lie on the bad boys, but what's kind of your your thought on that and how do you think 
the bad boys were portrayed in this specific documentary as opposed to the other documentaries that have been done on the bad boys well um first to to follow up and and i just kind of want to reiterate because i know that on twitter i I, some folks were kind of surprised that i wasn't as huge of a fan of this of these particular episodes as i were the first two and i'm not knocking these episodes like i Mm -hmm. really enjoyed them i really liked them i just felt like especially for me the dennis rodman part it, it just felt because there is like you said the bad boys documentary and there's also a dennis rodman Mm-hmm. you know 30 for 30 it's called i think rodman for better or for worse yeah i think they did about i think it was like six months ago or a year yeah. ago so it's fairly fairly new right so mm-hmm. I, I feel like a lot of what i what i needed to learn from dennis i already learned in that documentary so it kind of felt like redundant mm-hmm. when i when i watched it here so i, I and my biggest critique i think was is i, I kind of want a little bit more jordan I kind of want a little bit more of his story and his timeline, but I understand what they're trying to do. I think they're trying to highlight the different characters, but the, the integral parts of those nineties bulls team, specifically that 98 team. So mm-hmm. I, I understand that I'm not, I'm not anti that. I just feel for me, it just didn't play the same that it would maybe for you or maybe for somebody else that didn't know that, that, that hasn't seen those documentaries mm-hmm. or doesn't know that much about Dennis Rodman. I did enjoy, um, going into the science of rebounding, you know, the, you know, studying the players, um, going into the different kind of, um, basically the art of rebounding, you know, and basically kind of studied shot angles and, and, and studied different players shots metrics. And like, if they shoot it this way, it's going to go here. And and just watching him watch tape, um, was very, very insightful. And I think that that's one of the things and I talked about it on my show. I think that's one of the things that, unfortunately is a victim of the narrative around Dennis Rodman that he was obviously this crazy lunatic, this party animal. But I think that that narrative kind of gets in the way of how much of a smart, um, just methodic type of person that he was. I mean, you don't lead the mm-hmm. league in rebounding seven straight years. You weren't a multiple time defensive player of the year, won championships in two different cities by not being a hard worker, but not being a student of the game. And I think that that part kind of gets underrated and yeah. kind of gets forgotten about because he is this kind of cult of personality. He is this kind of just seen as this rebel counterculture, just weirdo. Yeah, um, he's almost he's, summed he's, up as a hustler instead of like, right, a, right, instead of like an right. IQ player. Right, exactly. And and, and that, I feel like that's that's a little disappointing because I think mm-hmm. that if you actually got, it, got into studying Dennis Rodman and studying, you know, who he is and how much work he put in. And the documentary does a good job of like labeling that. And Jordan liked him. Jordan actually, it's, it's funny because it, it, you, you would think that Dennis would be the total opposite, you know, would be the, the, like the, the, the antithesis of Jordan in every way. Yeah. Right? And he is and essentially, right. But yeah. you would think that Jordan and him just would not mesh and it's opposite. You know, you kind of got the feeling that Jordan liked, <laughs> really liked Dennis, got a kick out of him. But I think the biggest thing that Dennis or that Jordan loved about Dennis was that that work ethic, that grit, that toughness. That he understood that Dennis was an integral part of that team and appreciated that you know this guy may have his issues off the court, he may have his his you know demons or whatever, but you know he comes to play every night. He's prepared. I, I thought the biggest thing was them telling the story of the of running the uh, of doing the drill right. And the mm-hmm. running exercise, and obviously, you know, somebody starts in the front and they lead the run, and then they call on the next guy and he runs up to the front or whatever. So obviously, Jordan's, you know, and you guys have watched it obviously by now, but you know, telling the story of, of when Dennis gets up to the front, he just takes off running, sprints yeah. off running. I mean, that, but to me, that, that does a good job of highlighting that. Yeah, Dennis has all of these antics and the girlfriends and and all of that, but at the end of the day, this guy was a a just a truly great basketball player in his own way 
mm-hmm. um, and he was just a hard worker, was a student of the game, um, extremely methodic in the art of rebounding. I mean, he was a, he was a scientist when it came to yeah. rebounding. So um, it, it, I, I love that the episode kind of did him some some gave him his due in that department. As far as your, your other question about how how the Pistons were portrayed, obviously this documentary was going to portray the Pistons in a negative light because obviously this is, this is the Chicago Bulls. So every story, every story is slanted to the, to the perspective of the storyteller, obviously. So of course, when you look at the the Pistons 30 for 30, that exactly, or they're going to, or they're going, it's going to be more favorable towards the Pistons. Obviously if you have a, and I'm sure if you do an eighties, uh, Celtics 30 for 30, they're not going to have favorable things to say about the Celtics. And yeah. I'm, sure, I'm sure the Lakers will do the same, of course. But, you know, I, for me, the Pistons were a little bit before my time, obviously, being 33. So, you know, when the Pistons were in their heyday, I was still, you know, I was still a pup, obviously. So I didn't get to watch the Pistons in real time mm-hmm. during that era. But obviously, being a student of the game, as I like to consider myself, I always went back and watched the documentaries, watched the old games. And um, I, I've always felt like, it's weird because Dennis Rodman in, in a lot of ways is, 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 you know, is kind of the, the, the spirit animal of that team in a lot, in a lot of ways is that this mm-hmm. person that's perceived as something and the Pistons were physical, they were tough, borderline dirty. But I think that that reputation kind of gets in the way of how great that team was. I yeah. mean, you got to think about it from 1987 to 1991, that team got to what four straight Eastern conference championships Yep. Um, got the two straight or three straight finals. You know, if, if, if Isaiah doesn't make the pass in 87, you can make the case that they get to three straight finals, you know? Yeah. Um, so that was truly a great team. I mean, a really, really, really outstanding team that I feel like sometimes gets left off the pantheons of great teams. Like when you discuss mm-hmm. NBA history, you know, you obviously talk about the, the Celtics in the sixties, you talk about, you know, you know, the, 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 in the seventies, you talk about the Knicks and you know the eighties, yeah. you talk about the Celtics and the Lakers and, you know, even that Sixers team in 83, um, you know, you, you talk about all these great teams and, and for some reason, the Pistons never kind of get put in that light. And I think part of it is because obviously they played a style of play that was very controversial and it obviously isn't pretty, um, yeah. but also because I think the perspective, the perception is that they were just kind of this dirty muck. And they were that, but I think that that perception kind of gets in the way of how that team is, is viewed historically. And that's a shame because I, I think that when you actually kind of strip away all of the, all of that BS, um, I think that you will find a team that was, that was really great um, with a guy and Isaiah who is one of the greatest who ever played a game. So I think it's yeah. a shame that that team doesn't get a lot of the credit that they deserve yeah and what sticks out about what you said to me and what what like makes what pops up in my head is that quote that joe dumars had in Mm -hmm. the uh 30 for 30 for the bad boys was that they had to win that second title or else they were just gonna be looked at as a fluke right yeah yeah Yeah. a a footnote exactly in in history and i think there's still some laker fans and there's still some laker fans that to this day um kind of devalue that first championship in 89 because obviously mm-hmm. when they got to the finals you know a lot of laker fans will bring up the fact that you know um they played the pistons tough that year um i think i believe they swept them in the regular season if i'm not mm-hmm. mistaken um the lakers did and obviously when they got to the finals uh, i think worthy was hurt and i believe kareem was was injured and kareem was on his last legs anyway yeah. but um 
but you know there were some injuries that really kind of derailed that Lakers team um, in '89. So there were a lot of folks that you know a lot of Laker fans to this day that yeah, but you know Magic was exactly yeah, yeah. So the, you know you get the yeah but argument. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, so it, it was important for that team to win the second championship. But I also think that I also think that that team kind of doesn't get the credit it deserves is because it's kind of a transitional champion you know so i'm a big mm-hmm. wrestling fan so so for the wrestling fans out there they'll understand the term that i'm using um transitional champions is is a is a is a term thrown around a lot in in the wrestling world where it's kind of this guy that's in between the guy that's the guy you yeah know what i mean so they're the transitional they're you know so you, you gotta think about it this, the 80s were dominated by the celtics and the lakers Right? Mm-hmm. And the Pistons, and they're, they're sort of that transitional team in the middle. That's the bridge between the 80s, between the Bird and Magic era in the NBA and the Michael Jordan Bulls yeah. era in the NBA. So the Pistons kind of get lumped in the middle there. They're that transitional champion that kind of gets forgotten about. Mm-hmm. And um, like I said, it's a, it's a shame because I think a lot of people, especially younger, um, the younger audience, people that didn't grow up with them or that were, you know, we're not old enough to experience that team. I think that if they haven't done their due diligence to research that team and research Isaiah Thomas and players that, that were on that team, I think a lot of them will realize that that's a hell of a team. You know, it's a hell of a champion, a hell of a, of, of a dynasty themselves that easily could have won three straight championships. Yeah, easily. And, you know, I liked, I, I do like overall, like I understand why the, the bad boys are portrayed the way they are in this in this doc like you said it it all gets back to this is Mm -hmm. through the lens of mj and the bulls um and so the episode of the rodman episode ends with the bender which picks right bet which is where episode four picks right back up Mm -hmm. and i thought that that was brilliant again i i just as a as a journalist as someone who you know studied journalism at michigan state for years and learned about just the expertise and the skill of crafting a story I thought it was absolutely excellent the way it's been executed so far because because essentially this whole Rodman vacation bender thing was uh, was Phil's idea or Phil's okay I guess um, <laughs> so yeah. it goes into again the philosophy the philosophy of Phil it comes back to him and so then they dive into the backstory of Phil which is a which is a guy who. Honestly, as as much as I am a student of the game, Phil Jackson is one of the is one of the few legends, the few kind of titans in the history of NBA basketball that I never really truly went back and studied his whole like his his childhood upbringing. Like I understand, I know all the stats about his mm-hmm. about his his NBA resume. Like I know all that stuff like the back of my hand. I understand the triangle offense. Like I understand all of the things that. You know, from a pure basketball standpoint, I I know about Phil Jackson, but it's the outside stuff I don't know. Like, I found the connection to the Native American thing very cool. I understood that he had um that he had this infatuation with psychedelics that I thought was nicely roped in, and but I didn't know about the I didn't know about the Puerto Rican co- uh, coaching start where he yeah, you know he was a, he was a head coach there. And I didn't know necessarily about Tex uh, about Tex Winter and how he was a role in the triangle offense, and then how that got connected with Jerry Krause, and Jerry Krause observed it and was impressed by it, and that's how Phil got into his got into that coaching opportunity. I had always just been of the simple mind state of Jerry Krause 
liked Phil Jackson and now Phil Jackson's the head coach. Like I didn't understand the full backstory. So for me, this was an awesome episode. And again, it's all through the lens of the bad boys who had just beaten them the year before. And now in 91, Jordan ends up beating the Pistons, becoming champions. I love that they also got into the walk-off. Uh, where do you stand on really uh, on the walk-off itself and Isaiah? And I thought that was a great exchange between Isaiah and Michael in this documentary. You know, it's interesting. I, I've always kind of felt like the walk-off has been – is one of those things that's that's been blown up historically over time as this like this black eye and oh my god i can't believe that they did that and and this was a big story at the time and it's been something that has remained kind of this this black eye mark and and i and i feel like that's i feel like a lot of people hate the pistons because of what how they played and and they, they were unabashedly like the bad boys or whatever and i feel like they wanted to hate the pistons anyway so this just gave people a lot of validation to say, well, see, they're a bunch of punks and, you know, they don't, you know, they, you know, they, they're nasty and they're a bunch of thugs and, and, and this and that. And I feel like a lot of that is also coded. Um, if you get my drift. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so absolutely. a lot of that, a lot of that is, is also coded um, because the whole you know, thugs, bad boys, yeah, all that. Right, yeah. right, right. Detroit. Yeah. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's, you know, it is yeah. what it is. We won't get into that because obviously that, that would be here for, you know, we'd be here yeah. for, for hours on end talking about that stuff. But mm-hmm. um, I've always kind of felt like the walk-off has always been kind of overrated historically. Mm-hmm. Like, look, I, I'm, I'm also a fan and a stickler of sportsmanship. I feel like a champion should behave with class and I feel like you should, mm-hmm. you know, I feel like an opponent, you know, after a hard fart, hard fought series, especially those two teams who battled for what, three years, yeah. um, essentially, um, should shake hands. Like I, I think it is cool when you see rivals meet at half court at the end of the games and shake hands or whatever. So yeah, d- d- if I was a fan back then, would I have wanted the Pistons to shake Jordan's hand and congratulate them and and be you know, you know, be you know, you know, be graceful in defeat? Obviously, absolutely. But I, I think it's overblown. I think it's a big deal. I really do. Um, and, and I loved how they pointed it back to the Celtics that even the Celtics did the same thing to the Pistons, yeah. um, in 88. <laughs> so Which, it's like, again, plays yeah. into the whole, and it's like, Go exactly. Yeah, exactly. So, um, so yeah, again, what I wanted Isaiah and all of them to, um, to shake hands and, and be graceful in defeat. Absolutely. But I, but do I think it's this like stain in the history of the NBA? No. And also I, I here's the thing too. Like I, I get why it's a big deal because sometimes you can tell you, your true character comes out in moments of, of defeat in moments of, in, in, in struggles is where you can, you can judge the true character character and measure of a person in a man mm-hmm. right it's easy to be graceful and and a good person when you're winning but when yeah. you're but when you're dealing with setbacks when you're dealing with defeat when you're dealing with that pain of losing you know that's where you that's where it says more about a champion or a person when you 
when you handle defeat, when you handle failure with grace and class. So I, I, I do get it. I think mm-hmm. overall, though, I think it's been overblown and I think it's been 30 years and I think people need to let it go. Like it, it's, yeah. it's, it's not the, it's not the brawl in, 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 in the palace. It's not, uh, <laughs> it's, yeah. it's not, uh, you know, it's not Tim Donnie. It's not some great, cons- you know, it's not this great stain or black eye on NBA history. It's a bunch of prideful athletes who walked off because they, in, in part, they didn't like the other team. And there was, yeah. and I think that that's another thing that we learned in this documentary is like these two teams did not like each other. And those players yeah. and those figures do not like each other to this day. Yeah, like it's it's not a phony beef. It's real, right? Yeah, exactly. So these it's people not... didn't like each other, and on top of that, you know, hey, like it's in the heat of competition. You mm-hmm. know, I did like that they went to Isaiah, and I think that Isaiah kind of realizes now that I think that I, I maybe because I think he's just tired of answering questions about it. I think that's part of yeah. it. But I think Isaiah, I, specifically Isaiah, I, I think he, I think if he can go back and do it over again, I think Isaiah would do it over again. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's yeah. easy to say that, obviously, now 30 years removed. But, um, yeah, I, I just think it's been a, it's been overblown historically. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. And, you know, I think that I think that the whole thing has not only been overblown, but I think, again, it gets back into the the complication of uh, of, of the coding thing when you've now seen in so many different documentaries, interviews, whatever. Bill and Beer said my idea. Isaiah mm-hmm. said Isaiah said Bill and Beer's idea. But it's always Isaiah. They always point to to him. Right. And I get it. And in part, he's the leader. He's the, yeah. he's, the, he's you know Bill Lambeer's Bill Lambeer, and Isaiah Thomas is Isaiah Thomas. So I, I get yeah. it that it's always gonna it's always gonna be pinned on the on the athlete on the superstar, good or yeah. bad, right? Exactly. So so there's part of that, and then and then the other part of it is like the Isaiah the ducking of his head as he's mm-hmm. as he's kind of ducking behind Bill Lambeer. So that's another reason why it's kind and of I want to reiterate like so it, it wasn't a great look like I yeah. don't think anybody I think even Pistons fans if I know you're one of I know you're a Pistons fan but I, I think diehard Pistons fans would even admit that yeah that probably yeah. wasn't a great look but is yeah. it this thing that we need to keep harping about and keep talking about ad nauseum on every documentary <laughs> involving the Detroit Pistons of that era no it, it's no. it's it shouldn't no, it, it, it's not, it, or it shouldn't be, but it is. Um, you know, that's what it comes down to really is that, again, it's a, it's a thing that and honestly, even as a Pistons fan, go ahead. No, I didn't mean to cut you off. I, I'm just going to say, like, and honestly, the Pistons were that type of polarizing team. But again, I, I say, people just love to hate that team. They just, yeah. they just that they're just that team that people love to hate. So nothing that that group of players could have done would have would have changed people's perspectives. Like they could have literally shaken everybody's hands in the entire Bulls organization walking mm-hmm. off the court, and people would have still hated that team. People, yeah, would have they would have said they didn't to... shake their hand long enough, right? Or you know. look at them; they're making it about themselves instead of yeah. making you know about the Bulls, or you know, it, it is what it is. Sometimes you're just in a no win situation. I yeah. get it, and you know, you just got to do what's instinctually good for. Yeah, or honestly, with all the hatred involved, I mean, how many? I mean, what's the chances that some of the Bulls players wouldn't even shake hands? Yeah, (laughs) you know, (laughs) there's that part of it too. Like, you know, um, so again, it's a it's a thing that I think is you you hit the nail on the head here again. Is that it's it's embarrassing, like you know, but it but it's something that we should all move past. Like, I don't, I I think it's I think it's like you said, it's a it's an opportunity to knock the pistons or that particular pistons the bad boys um it's it's for the people that root against them 
that's what it's their thing to point to it's their um what's the word I'm looking for uh the phrase I'm looking for essentially but you know it's that it's that moment that they can point to where they can say it's a it's a it's a, it's a narrative builder it's, yeah. it's what it is it's a narrative yeah. builder so what happens is see this team was a you know a bunch of thugs mm-hmm. and you know they were classless and they were dirty and mm-hmm. see see they couldn't even shake their opponent's hands see that's what that yeah. you know it's like whatever and one thing, one thing though, I will say the one criticism I've had of this documentary so far is I think that although it has not been the full uncensored truth, um, it's been pretty damn close to it. And I feel it. And, and the documentary gives you that feeling of this is the most authentic way you're going to ever get this story, mm-hmm. you know. And, and that was my biggest worry coming into it is. Are we going to get, like, because it's still ESPN, are we going to get the PG-13 version of this? Or are we going to get the R-rated version of it? Like, what are we going to get out of mm-hmm. out of this? And mm-hmm. so, so far, it's uh, it's seemed incredibly, it seemed incredibly fair. They've criticized Krauss, but they've shown that Michael Jordan and Scotty and them were picking on him, you know, and, and that at one point they loved him. You know, so it's been, it, it's shown both sides of it. The one time I feel like they didn't, was this particular episode with Phil because Phil was one of the loudest vocally critical of the Pistons mm-hmm. and I and you know it, it was just kind of looked at as yeah Phil didn't like him and Isaiah kind of mentioned it but it wasn't really expounded upon the the Phil side of it it was just again the Bulls hated the Pistons the Pistons were this were this right. villain and I don't think that they, I, to their credit, I don't think that they bashed the Pistons too much in the sense that um, they really, really villainized them. They just stated, hey, they were looked at as villains. They didn't necessarily say, hey, these guys are villains, you know. So I think there was a slight difference there. That was that was a that was a good thing or a fair thing, I should say. But um, I, I thought they should have got into Phil a little bit more and his beef with the Pistons. No, great point. Absolutely, especially since, especially that episode that focused on Phil heavily. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's a that's a good that's a good um, that's a good insight into that. Um, you were you were bringing up the criticisms of the documentary. I, I think for me, one thing I'll disagree with you is I I don't think they've been particularly fair. I do think that Krauss has been labeled the villain of the story. Mm-hmm. And look, I'm not a Jerry Krauss defender. I know that Jerry Krauss has had his many faults, and he should take some blame. But I think it was I think it was a little too much in the first episode. I think it was a lot. I think it was I think it was overdone in that first episode yeah. because you know. And part of me is also like the guy's dead. He doesn't have a chance mm-hmm. to defend himself. You know, it's easy to it's easy again. Perspective is everything. So from the opposite perspective, it's easy to point out. Yeah, Kraus was this and Kraus was that and Kraus was this and Kraus was that and Kraus wanted to do this and can you believe Kraus wanted to do that? You know. But the guy mm-hmm. doesn't have an opportunity to retort. He doesn't have an opportunity to defend himself. And who knows? Yeah. Maybe in you know, if he was still alive, you know, in twenty twenty, maybe he would have looked at things a little bit differently. I know that Jay Williams has come out on record and Tim Floyd have come out on record saying that, you know, they've had they had a relationship with Kraus and whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you.